This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. No days off. No The Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This you microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Mr.com. On WEEI.com. This would be a relatively light week, but now that we're just talking about it, there's actually some Patriot stuff, as always, that we can turn into a podcast. Um, and the top topic, as always, is quarterbacks quarterbacks and whether the Patriots will get one, who they're going to get. I mean, this week, the, I guess the jumping off point would be two different ends of the spectrum. You have Pete Schrager, and I'm not really sure exactly why I take his mock seriously. I know he sort of talks to a lot of people in the league, but I don't know how much I should value it. Anyway, he has the Patriots trading up to number four overall with the Falcons for Justin Fields. I think that would be well-received in Patriot Nation, be fun, be exciting. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have Fob, friend of Bill Belichick, Mike Lombardi, saying on his uh, GM Shuffle podcast that he doesn't think the Patriots like Justin Fields, and he doesn't really see them valuing Trey Lance or Justin Fields to the point where they would trade up. The the most interesting thing I find out here is smokescreen reality. This is now the second guy with Patriots ties that flat out said Patriots and Justin Fields are not a fit. We have Lombardi now. We had Jim Nagy with Mutt and I a couple weeks ago, senior bowl director, former Patriots scout. So I guess either, I mean, if you want to keep talking yourself into fields, you say, oh, that's a Belichick smokescreen. And I know Pat McAfee went down that road on his pod. Oh, Belichick, uh, you, you put it out there. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get Justin Fields. Or you could take it at sort of face value, surface value. And as I wrote in my column today, starting to really feel like um, we already know who's competing at the quarterback position for the Patriots because they're the same people that finished last season competing at the quarterback position. That's kind of where I am. It's just yeah. just the way that things are trending and the, who you listen to and hear. And it's just it, – and you, the more you think about it, too, like would Bill Belichick really trade up all those future ones for the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the draft? I don't think so. If he loves him? I, I, I mean, you can say, like you can say on his board. I mean, I think everybody probably has Trevor Lawrence one, but you could convince people. Oh, nope, we had Justin Fields number two on our board at quarterback. Like that's the guy we wanted all along. I mean, I, I still hope for that just from a story purpose and sort of excitement for the summer because it feels like that there's you know that term. Um, did you learn it in English class? Denoma, the falling off of the story after the climax. No, I missed that. I must have fell asleep through that class. Just so you know, there'll be people trolling you if they listen about this later. Of course he didn't know that. He's an idiot. Um, But I just remember it was like the falling off after the climax of the story. That feels like where we are with the Patriots. Like we had the the free agency and the climax and they're going, they're spending. And everybody's like, okay, quarterback. That's all I need, quarterback. And like, wah, wah, wah. We're just kind of 
fading off. And, you know, you, you, we know that they know they need a quarterback. Well, certainly the boss man told us he needs a quarterback. They need to solidify that. I mean, I guess there's still a debate in this area of does Bill value the quarterback position? Does he think he needs a quarterback? Does he think he needs to be aggressive, trade up, whatever? I think he does. I mean, we've talked a lot about this, the Saban thing where Saban kind of flipped the switch to offensive coach and offensive minded team and whatever. I think Bill's aware of the way the league is, is trending and going. Bill watched the league last year. He saw all those quarterbacks in the playoffs. Like he knows. I, I, that's how I think. And it's okay. As you said, it's okay. If the reason he doesn't get a quarterback or can't get a quarterback is the cost is too high for those guys. They're not that good. But then I would say, that's fine. I trust you, Bill. You don't like those guys. And maybe, you know, everybody's saying, well, five quarterbacks go, two will be good. One will be great. Two will be busts or something. If you think those two are going to be the busts, then don't waste the capital like that. We've talked about you and I, like the one thing worse than not having a quarterback is investing in the wrong quarterback. Totally. But that being said, you still need a quarterback, right? Yes. You, but I mean, you can like Robert Kraft, they kind of stole everybody that Cam Newton be better in year two. Like that's the, that's the spin. And will he be? Sure. But by how much and how much does that translate to wins? And even like the long-term thing, like Robert Kraft said, you have to solidify the position. Cam Newton's not doing that. You still like, let's just say Cam Newton's better for, you know, 2021. What about 2022? And the other, the latest voice, and I didn't actually listen to it, which is typical of me, sort of this modern world where you comment on something you didn't actually listen to or read. Um, but I guess Tom House was on Tom Curran's podcast and praised Cam Newton and things. Yeah, see, I, I saw that, and I'm the same thing as you, where I'm going to criticize something without even listening to it. What does Tom House know? Has he worked with Cam Newton? I guess he worked with Cam a long time ago, um, and ha- which actually – devalues it a little bit to me yeah first of all he's gonna do him a solid he's gonna praise work with him and we know everybody likes cam i i I no longer question that everybody likes cam everybody's rooting for cam loves cam so if you did work with him yeah you're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's a great athlete and and i think he he put the onus on the foot and his mechanics and coming back from the foot injury okay maybe that's true i just first of all i take cam at his word and he said multiple times all last year there was nothing physical involved or limiting him or mm. keeping him from being better, whatever. And second, it's like Jordan Palmer telling me, well, Jared Stidham's ready. He had to go through the toughest transition in the history of the world of football, but he's re- like, you know, I said last night with Fitzy on, on the, our station that, you know, I always have that rule. You don't ask a little league mom how her son played. Cause she's going to tell you, great. He did this. He did that. Like, and I don't ask personal throwing coaches or personal coaches, how good a guy is, or if he's ready, you know, Nikhil Harry is ready for a huge breakout third season, right? According yeah, to you see his footwork last year is really working hard at that looking great. Right. I, I just, and, and it's no offense to, I would do the same thing. You have a business interest in promoting a guy and keeping hope and opportunity and yeah, I'm, I'm turning him around, but I just don't take that as necessarily an objective source. So I guess we are sort of where we've been, I guess all along, like, do they need a quarterback? Yeah. I mean, we're going to find out in, However many days, two weeks from now, two and a half weeks. days. How many? 27. No, sorry, 20. 20. <laughs> 20. <laughs> okay, you just defended people with your English knowledge and your math knowledge. What's up next, science? I, cor- I corrected myself quickly. Physics? <laughs> I thought it was a month away. It's three weeks. 20 um, but, I mean, we're going to find out. I guess, you know, that's the next 
point on the timeline is the draft, obviously. Do they trade up? Do they draft a guy? Do, whatever. You know, you mentioned that Chris Sims said maybe they take Kellen Mond in the second round. I don't. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. I, I mean, I, I just there is nothing about Kellen Mond that screams to me. And I know he's the new hot guy. And yeah, him and, and him and Davis Mills are like the hot guys. The Mills, I can sell myself on developmental, like hasn't started a lot, product, like big pocket passer skills, things of that nature. Mond is like a four-year starter, basically, who is what he is, I feel like, at this point. Now, there's some obvious physical tools there, but there's, you know, Jamarcus Russell had obvious uh, physical tools. I would tools. say you started four years, like that's enough time to kind of like really establish yourself and you didn't do that. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I never rule anybody out, right coaching, right system, right maturation, whatever it may be. But Kellen Mond as the latest hot, like, next name is is a dog, I agree, is a dog of an idea in the second round. Um, because, But uh, Sims was the only one, obviously, Globe had the report that. Well, that was, that was kind of just like he's been talking to McDaniel. Like, that's not saying, like, he's, you know, be drafted in the second round. I know, but who reported it? Yeah. Jim McBride has sources, and sometimes I think you're not saying it, but you might be saying it kind of thing. I don't know. I just – the quarterback position remains unfilled, unsettled, uncertain, but certainly the top topic of the ongoing offseason for the Patriots. And because it's the Patriots, that's why it's also a top topic for – mock drafts and Pat McAfee and tie it into Justin Fields or whoever the sexy QB name of the day is. Cause I guess we have, I guess the other issue here is we've, we've sort of settled in that the top three are going to be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones. Have we accepted that as pretty much? Okay. So then the leaping off point from there is, have we so accepted we pretty much include Jimmy Garoppolo staying in San Francisco? Unless he doesn't. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, I agree with you. I, like, logically, I think the 49ers should keep him. They've said they're going to keep him. Like, that whole narrative. Like, But then there's others that just think it's posturing and they're trying to, you know, drum up a first-round pick for him or, or whatever it may be. Um, you know, the one thing we did note this week is the idea that Kyle Shanahan, the latest QB guru that can win with any quarterback, um, hasn't other than Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, Warren Sharp tweeted out the numbers. Um, I got the, I got the numbers offhand. So okay, we, so read some of those off. Uh, C.J. Beathard two and ten. Brian Hoyer seven oh. and twelve. Nick oh. Nick Mullins five and eleven. Matt oh. Ryan nineteen and thirteen. Okay, but he's you know Matt Ryan. Johnny Manziel zero and two. Connor Shaw zero and one. R.G. three twelve and sixteen. Rex Grossman six and ten. Donovan McNabb five and eight. Kirk Cousins oh. one and three. John Beck zero and three. Matt Schwab, 15 and 12. Okay. Then Jimmy Garoppolo, 22 and 8. I mean, he's the outlier. There's a couple winning records in there, but the idea that Shanahan can win with anybody and therefore could take a rookie quarterback and the system will win. You don't need the quarterback to win. A little bit of a false narrative out there in San Francisco. So I'm not saying that would keep them from doing it because I think his ego has run amok. I think his ego and all these egos, the, the Grudens of the world, these quarterback gurus, think they can, you know, turn anything that Midas touch into gold. And I would just be careful if I were the 49ers. Huh, 49ers, gold. See what I did there? Good one, good one. <laughs> it wasn't. Do you th- – would you place – in terms of, like, percentages, 
Would you say the percenters definitely increase next offseason for Garoppolo coming to New England than this offseason? Oh, God, yes. God, yes. Like, I think the only thing that would prevent it next offseason is, like, a Super Bowl run for them. Like, if he won the Super Bowl, now I don't know what you do. But well, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is if the Patriots, like, go out and got a rookie quarterback this year, they're probably not going after Garoppolo next year. Well, it depends. Are we talking about Kellen Mond? Are we talking about no, Mills? I'm talking one of the, like, Fields or, or Mac Jones. Oh, if, if you then have to go after Garoppolo next year, that's a poop show in New England. Like, you, you porked up. Like, you like, – Right. Yeah. But from a 49ers perspective, we've talked – like, that's the, the Patrick Mahomes model. You draft Mac Jones, I'm presuming Mac Jones, and then you sit him for a year and he wows you in practice, proves that he's ready to go. And then Garoppolo becomes available, maybe even at the trade deadline. I wouldn't totally eliminate that, but most likely next offseason. Yep. I mean, trade deadline's possible if, if Mac Jones is playing and playing well. But I think even for like the maximum value you'd get for the 49ers, it'd probably be next offseason. Yeah. And, and I don't, although, I mean, at that point, I mean, if, if Mac Jones is now playing, Garoppolo's value sort of takes a hit there because it means he didn't like come out the gates at seven and one with great numbers. But also, like what what team is trading for Jimmy Garoppolo at the trade deadline, like with twenty twenty one in mind? Well, I wouldn't say with twenty twenty one in mind. I'd say with the future, and that's where right. Bill Belichick you could probably get a nice value and just whatever you know. I, I keep saying the second round pick, like the quid pro quo. We gave you a two, you give us a two. It's all good, but apparently that's not happening just yet. Um, the one other thing I did want to touch on in terms of kind of tying this together with the quarterbacks and Bill Belichick. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the report out there from Lane Kiffin talking about how Bill yeah. calls coaches more than almost anybody. And like, you'd think every coach does it, but almost no coaches do. And that whole idea. Um, I, I just wonder how that would tie into, because obviously if you're making those calls and having those discussions, even though it's Bill Belichick and even though Bill says, you know, I'd like to keep this between you and I, whatever. That's how more information gets out. Because as soon as more people know, even if it's accidental, right? You know, the head coach tells his secretary, huh, that was weird, huh? Bill called us? Oh, yeah, he was looking for information. And, you know, that person tells somebody, you know how the telephone game works. And yeah. I, I always find that a little bit interesting on two levels. On two levels, like, hey, you draft guys and don't call their coaches? Like, uh, elsewhere in the story sort of reporting this, there was the idea that, were the Raiders a team that like scouts said, why would I call their position coach? Like, why would you not? You don't, I'm not saying you have to take their word as gospel, but. Correct. That's what I was just going to say. You have to worry about, like we talked about off the top, but which guys are talking, obviously they're going to praise, you know, their players. But at the same time, if a guy is a complete nutcase and not worth it, they're going to tell you. So well, I can tell you doing for years, if things have sort of changed now, everybody does the, the, the uh, profiles of draft picks, but for years, Patriots.com, Patriots Football Weekly, we kind of did more profiles and draft picks than a lot of people did. We did every pick. And there were like there were years, yeah, a lot of the times it was like a little league mom. Oh, this guy is going to be the next, you know, great running back. Great. He's got this. He all, sky's the limit. Then you'd get the occasional coach that would be like, yeah, I, I was a little surprised the Patriots took him. He's not really that kind of player. And you're like, excuse me, come again. And like we had one guy years ago tell Paul Perillo, like he was flat out honest and like not a fit kids got problems, not this, not. And he goes, but if you put my name next to any of this, I'll hunt you down and find you. <laughs> like, but if I'm a coach or a scout, that's what I want. Like, 
it might only be one out of 10, one out of 20, whatever it is, save yourself from that mistake because you've got that information. Isn't that their jobs to like not leave any stone unturned? And isn't that like one of the, you know, when you place more value on that than digging through a kid's social media in a way? Yes. But also I think you learn as part of your job also what value to place on that, but don't ever put your blinders on and disregard the information. Like that's your job to cull through it and figure out how valuable it is, how true it, whatever. But I mean, I guess, I don't know. I almost don't, I almost don't want to give Bill credit for doing it. Cause it's like, like common sense. You should do it. Well, <laughs> I want to take the shot at the other 31 coaches that don't do it. They're the well, idiots. It's, shouldn't like the scouts be doing that too, in a way? Like, is that Bill, like I, Bill has a relationship with those guys. So I'm sure it's easier for him to get, you know, an honest answer maybe. Right. But right. I would say the scout should be doing that as well. I, I, I would. All, yes. And, and I think they do to some degree. I think it's a little overblown, but it, it should just be a given and like it should be a given for all 32 teams. If you're doing work on a player, you should talk to his head coach, his coordinator, his position coach, like as many people as possible. Cause you also, that's the other thing I would say, maybe the head coach promotes the guy. Cause he's saying, if I get this guy drafted in the second round, that's good for the program. And then maybe you talk to the position coach and it's like, huh, the, the two stories don't necessarily align. And which one's the truth? Where is the truth in the, like, yeah, I just, I, in this process, I found that interesting. But um, I think the other big story we have to talk about that we didn't, I mean, we saw coming, but didn't see coming in the same sense as some definition by Karen Garigi in the Boston Herald, who, by the way, ha happy birthday, celebrated a birthday this week. I would say, with apologies to Kevin Garnett, she's the true KG in Boston. And uh, in my opinion, has been the best reporter on the beat for a long, long time in terms of relationships and information and, and big fan. She's an um, old school. But, if you're a fan of the old school, like beat writer, she's the definition of it. And but not afraid to be critical or negative. I think no. she does the job the way it should be done. Um, but she reported what was the the key word in her report on Julian Edelman? Chronic knee and not likely to play a full season. Like, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think we knew that. I mean, first of all, didn't we see that last year when yeah. he was the third receiver and didn't really play to start the year? Like he put up numbers. But he was on the sideline. I don't believe he started any of the six games. I think he was 0 for 6 in starts. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So we saw the beginning of that. Then he goes under the knife, hopefully to come back. As you know, Bill sort of – I would say Bill talked about Julian Edelman's knee surgery more openly than he's talked about almost any procedure for anybody in the history of his tenure. Uh, yeah, he, he acknowledged it happened, which was right. a step right there. But then remember he even went into like – you know, there's no guarantees, but obviously anytime you do something like this, you're hoping that the player comes out of it in a better position than he went into it and blah, blah, right. blah. He went down a whole road. Anyway, the thing I find interesting here, because I am not counting on Julian Edelman for anything, I, I, and I think the team sort of in their aggressive approach and adding some bodies at the position, they feel the same way. But the thing that I find interesting is this perception that he could be cut. And I think that would be – to me, I don't really see the need for it. I mean, I know they're not big on, like, golden parachutes or, like, what. But it would save you a couple of million bucks. Three and a like, half million, I think. In the game, like, the big game plan to cut a franchise legend who I think we can all agree was probably underpaid most of his career for his production and his job. Like, I, to me, would want him around rehabbing, and if I get – Six games, 10 games, 
You know, maybe I get 30% play time. Maybe he only plays on third down. I, I don't know. To me, I would keep him. He, I would keep him around. I, I just don't see the need to, to sever that relationship, cut him. It's like a – it would just leave a bad taste, I feel like, in everybody's mouth. And it's not like – the guy's – it's not like he's been dealing with injuries as he's missed games for years. Like, he's one of the toughest guys in that locker room that's played through a ton. Like, I mean, he's – kind of at his end in a way like just from playing like him playing through all the injuries has caught up to him and I think Bill realizes that and you're right that sent a bad message and I still think they can find a way to use him to help the team like you right. said maybe it's just third downs maybe it's you play 20 percent weeks you know one through eight and then we ramp you up for the playoffs like there's they can find ways to have him produce and I think that's what ultimately will happen because it's not, and until it's not like his contract is massive, like it's, they're not, he's not really hurting them cap space wise. So why not find a way to make it work? And I think if they map out a plan, Edelman knowing him, he'll work as hard as he can to reach that. And I also wouldn't discount, we've talked a little bit about it in recent years. Do they overpay McCordy and Slater and some of these guys for non-playing value? Well, even though Julian Edelman's never really been a captain or, or whatever, I still think there's value of him in that room, bringing stability and leadership and mentorship and whatever to that room. You hear all the younger receivers. They always bring him up. It's not, it's not the same as the Devin McCourty's and the Matthew Slitter's of the world, but he still has a, a similar impact. And if you remember Gunner's rookie year, he was like, but every time he talked about doing something, oh, I had to, or Julian would get on me, or I had to, because Julian, like, I could think of Julian when I did that or whatever. So yeah, I, it's unfortunate if he sort of limps to the literally and figuratively to the end of his career, but we saw it with Troy Brown. Troy Brown had that weird year. Remember the punt bounced off his face and like he wasn't himself and he just, it was, it was sort of a sad ending, but I, I personally would keep uh, Julian Edelman around. I have a, people might not even care about my question about this topic, but it kind of interests me. Where do you think the story was coming from to Karen? Like who leaked this to Karen? Was it the Edelman camp or the Patriots? I'm going to say the Edelman camp. Yep. That, that's where I leaned. Um, and maybe for this reason, to get ahead of it for people. I, I, I don't know. I, didn't, I hadn't really thought about that, the motivation of the sourcing on that. Um, yeah, I would guess the player side, the agent side, Don Yee, Julian Edelman. That's what I was thinking. I only bring it up because the morning show, the Greg Hill show, kind of was – going on their own tangent about this saying that it came from the team and they're like reaching the skids to release him or trade him to the bucks. See, if they want to trade him to the bucks, I mean, to me, it would be waving the white flag on your season to some degree. You know, we want to go back, whatever that was 30 years ago where Ray Bork got traded to the avalanche and to win a cup, that whole thing. Um, I don't hate that idea. If you want to give him an opportunity to, to go out there. And I, I guess I, if you I, I, I can't see Bill doing that. I can't either. Um, yeah, if I had a guess, I would think this is more from the Edelman camp to just kind of put some pressure to keep him around to to not you know cut him as damaged goods. Like you said, get ahead of it. Like this guy's dealing with this. You're gonna see it eventually. Here's what it is. Like so, don't freak out when he's you know not around to, over the right. summer and you know training camp and the preseason. It's just getting ahead of it. Right. Because I don't. I don't think anybody is going to feel better about him either being cut or traded because you found out he had a bum knee. Like, I think he's a pretty freaking popular player in New England. Um, 
given, I mean, the way he surpassed Wes Welker and immediately in popularity and then his clutch play and Super Bowls and, and all of that. So, you know, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, the next topic I wanted to just touch on quick because we are coming up upon it. Um, May 3rd, I believe, is the date for fifth-year contract uh, options to be picked up by. Patriots have two guys, and The Athletic did a, a full story on the league-wide, you know, what predicting or, or projecting who would get theirs, who wouldn't get theirs. And it's funny because it's like the first half of the first round from that year. Athletic says everybody's basically going to get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then for the Patriots, we're talking about Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle. Uh, Isaiah Wynn is just over 10 million, I believe. Sony Michelle just over four. And the Athletic projects that neither will get their fifth-year option picked up. Um, the Sony Michelle one doesn't really surprise me. The Isaiah Wynn one I find a little bit more interesting um, because he has been pretty good when he's on the field, but the injuries have been an issue. Um, and I would also say. I use a little bit of the Joe Tooney information here in that the Patriots have invested heavily in a one-year deal to keep a guy around like Joe Tooney, franchise tag, 15, is whatever, and the value of offensive linemen, whereas I'm not even sure if you don't sign Sony Michelle, he'll get all that much interest on the open market. If you wanted to re-sign him for one year, $4 million. like don't guarantee this, but after the year say, how about we do the, the fifth-year option now? We'll give you the one year and the, five, the $4 million and change. Is anybody going to be beating down his door? Oh, no, we'll give you a four-year deal worth X million. Like, so I, I don't know your thoughts on those two guys. No, I'm with you on Michelle. When, it's an interesting one because, like, why did they bring in Trent Brown? Like, does that, does that connect? Do you make that connection? Like, it seems like you're moving on Wenu inside, so that opens up a tackle spot. And then maybe we'll know more on the draft like if they draft a, a tackle in the first round first couple of rounds then I think we have a better better sense because if, if if you don't draft an offensive tackle early on in the draft I think that increases the chances that they do place a fifth year option on win just because they kind of need somebody around because they don't have anybody sort of waiting you know I guess if you believe in Yanni Kajus but we haven't seen him in three years. Yeah, no. I believe in Bo Allen as much as I believe in Yadni Kajus. Guys that don't exist. I'm not even sure what they do. Um, yeah, I. we will definitely know more come draft weekend. If they draft a tackle early, first round, second round, I think that could be some writing on the wall. And, you know, I've been doing the potential Patriots posts on WEEI.com and going through all the options that might make sense in the first round or at number 15. Rashawn Slater, Northwestern kid, is a tackle slash guard versatile guy. He's actually people make some comparisons to win because it's the same kind of questions. Is he uh is he long enough to play tackle? Is he you know stout enough to play guard? You know blah blah blah. And he could be a definite possibility. I would say in the middle of the first round, sort of. A lot of people think he's the second best tackle. Penny Sewell is going to go wherever he goes in the top five or seven picks. And if they take Slater, I would say Ben Isaiah win. That would be the writing on the wall. Although. Trent Brown might only be a one-year guy. So you could be looking for two tackles for the 2022 season. So maybe Slater gets brought in to be the right tackle and you keep Wynn to be your left tackle. I don't know. No, it's possible because Trent Brown's not, like, super young. He's, what, probably late 20s, 28, 29. Yeah. Yep. So – and there's obviously questions there. Like, yes, he was great with New England, but that was a contract year. Then he got his big money. So what kind of player is he really going to be? He says he loves in New England. But, well, let's see. 
Like maybe this is maybe this is the right spot for Trent Brown, and he turns into playing four or five years here. We'll see. Um, I don't, what do you think of Win? Like, do you think he's gotten a fair like shake on this? Like, because I don't think people, I don't think fans are big on Isaiah Win. I don't think so either. But I think a lot of that is is hindered by the the injury. No question. Like, but when he's on the field, like the way I look at it, like you don't hear his name much, and that's probably a good thing for a left tackle. Oh, I think he's solid. Like, I don't think he's great or dominant, but I didn't think Matt Light was great or dominant. I well, thought that's kind of where I was, gonna, I was going with this. Like, where does he compare to Matt Light and Nate Solder? Um, I think he's probably – now, Solder's different because Solder was more of your prototypical look of a left tackle. He had the length and the size, whereas I think Light and Wynn are more comparable and they're not quite that same build, but can they do the job at a high enough level – and I would say, I mean, obviously Light did for years. He needed his help with certain guys. You know, if he was going to face the Dolphins or the Colts and Freeney and Taylor, like he was going to need some help. But so did a lot of people against all pro pass rushers. Um, I think Wynn is good. I think he's a starting caliber left tackle, probably middle of the road in the NFL like Light was. And But you have to stay on the field. And that's what people – I mean, offensive line, like look at Joe Tooney, has been healthy nonstop. So he might be the outlier, but – I mean, Shaq Mason has basically been healthy. He battled the knee injury a little bit. Two games a year, basically. Yeah, so I think that's what jumps off the page is, A, he's not elite. He's not Tyron Smith or, you know, one of these truly elite left tackles. And I also can't count on him. So now you start to go down that Jimmy Garoppolo-type road. Like, yeah, when he's out there, that's good. But am I paying for the half a season he's not out there every year, the stint on IR every year? So, I mean, that's where you just have to weigh the sort of total package that he is. But I think he's good, not great. What else you got on your list? Uh, so, we talked about Bill Belichick's going to talk on – no, we didn't talk we didn't. about that yet. That was off nope. here. Bill Belichick, April 15th, will do his pre-draft press conference or return to the pre-draft press conferences. Nick Casario has handled that at times over the years. We are not getting Dave Ziegler. At all. We talked a little bit about that. We are getting Bill Belichick pre-draft, and we're getting – Bill Belichick days of the draft at night to talk about the picks or the action or whatever took place that day. Do you have any, any predictions on how this will go next Thursday tone or? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, well, if he actually, well, we saw it last year with the Brady stuff. It was, it was the first time he spoke after that. And they basically said off the top, this is a draft press conference. No other questions. Right. Um, I could see a similar scenario this, this time around. But maybe Bill wants to toot his own horn. Say I had a great offseason. So maybe it'll be a mixture of questions. Cause I'm, like the media is not going to listen. They're going to try to ask some questions about the offseason free agency. Sure. Um, but if Bill does actually talk about it, I think he's going to act like it was a normal offseason. Just like yeah, we do this every year. It was good. Got some good players. We'll see how it goes. Like, I don't think he's going to be saying, yep, yeah, we were really active. It was a great offseason. We spent a lot of money. It was good. No, I think it's big. We, we added some players. We'll see how it goes. I agree. I think he'll lean on. Well, I think Robert Kraft addressed some of these questions, blah, blah, blah. In his opening statement, I think he'll touch on, we're moving into the next phase of the team building process. Obviously, we've added some players already this spring. We'd like to continue to do that over the next three days of the, like that. And then if you say, uh, what do you like about Hunter Henry and how do you think he'll fit with Jonu Smith? He'll say, there'll be a time for that. But right now we're talking about the draft, like, I don't think there'll be a lot of um, long-winded answers and in analysis of who they brought in, why they brought him in, how much they paid him, did you pay Aguilar too much? Like, I don't think there'll be a heck of a lot. How do you think he'll answer the question about you? You you spent the most money, you know, ever. 
Um, I think he might lean on Robert for that and sort of like he might have one line and then say, and you know, Robert, I thought addressed that really well. And uh, I'll leave it at that or something. Yeah. Or every year is different. Sometimes you, yeah, you have to take advantage of your opportunities as they present themselves. I think we've always done that. I think we'll always continue to do that in the best interest of the football team. Like you said, it'll be like that. Like you said, no, that was a good answer right there. I believe the nailed that one. You should send that over. Send that over to the Patriots. I got your bears in case you're looking for some talking points next week. I got some for you. Yeah. I, I don't think there'll be any long, uh, you know, we really like Hunter Henry's skill set, thinking we're great with John Dew, and then Nelson Aguilar had a great year last year. We think he can continue that this year. No. Um, I tell you what you will get. I'm going to make a prediction now. Uh, how, how many words are on a page of a transcript? Like 800 or something, let's say? I guess, yeah. You will get multiple hundreds of words about the pre-draft process, how it's been different, COVID-19. Well, Pro days, all of that. Okay, and the different like how the draft is constructed, but there will also be a question of Robert Kraft said he noticed some things different this year. What were those differences? He's not going to address that. I I think you'd have to ask Robert what he meant by that. I've been doing the same thing for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, I you you won't get an answer on that. I think he'll have a long winded, um, uh, just sort of overwhelming monologue about how there was no combine, there was limited pro days, you couldn't visit with people, medicals were different, so yes. And I'll yeah. miss out on half of it because I'll kind of tune it out and start scribbling in my notepad waiting for the next answer and, and doodling or whatever. Um, okay, so as we approach the draft, this is where this is one of the last things I had on my, uh, my notes. Um, I'm interested in this because, as I said, I've been doing the potential Pats thing, and I've the way I've been treating it, I've been bouncing from one side to the next, day after day, offensive player, defensive player, sexy guy, D-line guy, O-line guy, whatever, moving around. Have you started to hone in on it, anything? Like a feel, like, like I said, Slater is an offensive lineman who people would not get excited about. I believe they're having the draft party again down at Gillette. I don't think people will be excited if Rashawn Slater's the pick at number they're have, they're having an in-person draft party. I, I think so, but maybe, maybe it's virtual. I don't know. I think Fitzy's hosting something from Gillette on draft night. Interesting. I heard something anyway, or Barmore, uh, the Alabama defensive tackle. They, he's invested at defensive tackle a lot in the draft. He hasn't in a while, Alabama, he needs one. Maybe that makes sense. Trading, trading up. We've talked about, but, Trading down certainly can't be ruled out. Trading See, out can't be ruled I, out. I thought about that this morning. Trading down makes no sense. Oh, oh, I smell a column from Ryan Hannibal at WEI.com. Well, because you're trading down. When you trade down, you add picks. Yes. You already have 10 picks and you are 80, 80 guys in your roster. Like, what sense does it make to add more picks? Like, most of these guys aren't going to make the team. What if you add more picks for next year? That's the only way it would happen, but, like, are you trading out of 15 to get a 2022 second round pick? I don't think so. Well, what if I trade from 15 to 20 and then get a 2022 second round pick? And now I, cause you're going to get the same story. Well, I mean, the player we were going to take, we, we've been looking at him with group. We've got the guy, we, blah, 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 blah. We were going to take him at 15, blah, 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 blah. I could right? see it, but I, that wouldn't go over well with the fan base for sure. Not that he cares, but I just, ding, 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 ding. I, I, I don't see I don't see trading down. You're you're in a position you're in a position you you hope to not be in for the next ten years. Take advantage of it. You said he doesn't care. I mean, I said he doesn't care about the fan base. Agreed. But the most powerful fan in the fan base does he care what he thinks 
who might be paying a little bit more attention. And by that, I mean, Robert Kraft, former season yeah. ticket holder, now boss and owner of the team. Guy he signs his checks. Yeah. LRC, we call it lower right corner of the check. No one has checks anymore. It's direct deposit, but you get the point. <laughs> uh, does he like, does Robert say, listen, why are we trading down again? Like we have a chance to get a, a blue chip player. Like he might, I'm not saying he would say, no, you're picking and you're taking this player. Nope. I'm saying, remember how he asked, um, what was it? Deflategate? No, no, no. Spygate was, you know, what kind of an advantage did we get? And he's like 1%. And he's like, then you're a schmuck, basically, yeah. was the report. I'm just, this is the reported. Right. So what if Bill says, yeah, I want to trade down for 15 to 20, the whatever, blah, blah, blah. Robert goes, well, what are we really gaining by this? And Bill says this, this, and this. And Robert goes, that doesn't seem like a lot to me for a team that hasn't drafted well in recent years, could use some impact talent and has a top, the highest pick we've had since Gerard Mayo, right? Like, yep. maybe he doesn't say you can't trade, but maybe he says, I don't really see the need to trade. I pay you a lot of money to know who the best player on the board is right now. Pick the best player on the board. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, this is all fictitious. I'm playing radio. Oh, I know. I know. Podcast. But like you just said, they're never in this position. Take advantage of it. Like why, especially when, like you said, you're, so you're going to benefit the draft next year in the second round by adding a pick. Like it just, what good does that do you? Now I could also see Bill making a very strong argument. Well, we have actually Robert, uh, seven players graded identical in the middle of the first round value. Uh, we also look at next year's draft at these positions that are going to be really high, going to be great value. Oh, and by the way, next year we'll have a combine. We'll have better information available because we're all expecting, obviously, better scouting, blah, 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 blah. I could see Bill making a very strong argument for a trade down. But maybe Robert says, listen, I've been listening to your arguments for a while now, and they haven't led to a lot of great drafts. Why don't you listen to my argument? Pick a damn player. I would like to see him do that. And I've got video of him saying that and Bill's reaction. But I, I don't know how it all goes down. You don't think that's the video that would get posted on uh, Patriots.com? Oh, by how, how, the, how the pick went down? Yeah, I don't think so. Before they get the guy in the phone, here's that. Yep. <laughs> I don't think that would make it to uh, public eyes at all. No, I don't. Yes. But it'd be cool for us. It'd be fun. We need fun. If he's not going to trade up for a quarterback, we need some other form of fun. But would you, would you agree kind of with my general premise that trading down doesn't make sense this year? Uh. I would, in, in general, I would agree. I'm, it's hard because I, I still have faith in Bill Belichick. Like, as much as other people, as much as Tangway wants him fired as GM, and as much as Tom Curran says Bill should not be allowed to pick offensive players, I still think Bill knows what he's doing for the most part. And if he says literally, like, this guy's not that good. Christian Barmore, I can take him. He almost quit football a couple of years ago. He's barely a one-year starter. He has upside. I can take him at 15, or I can trade down to 22, get a two for next year, and get Barmore or somebody just as good. It's hard to question that, even though the sexy, fun part of you says, no, take somebody at 15. I trust you to take the best player. So it, it, that's hard for me to really I, – No, I agree. It all comes down to where they have guys on the board, but I would almost just say it almost makes sense to use all your picks to trade up, like trade your – Oh, oh, yeah. If trading up is a consideration, I would like to see them trade up and not just for a quarterback. Right. Like, don't tell me um, all three corners are the same. Right. Nope. I want you to pick the best one. The one you think is going to be a stud and go get him if you need to. Or, or even in the 
first in round two. Use your multiple third round picks package though to move up to round two. Like do that. Like well, especially for them where their roster is going to be, they're going to have to cut people if they keep the picks. And they everybody likes to say how good they are with undrafted rookies. Well, if you're going to have undrafted rookies, you're definitely going to have to get rid of people, right? I mean, you're at nine away right now. I think you're eighty or eighty one. Yeah, you get ten draft picks. So you're just to get your draft picks, even if you don't. Okay, you got to cut somebody, and then. What's their undrafted class is usually eight or 10 guys. Close to 10. It's probably not going to be that right now. We're really good at that. We want you to have that opportunity, I guess. So yeah, I I would be all for trading up multiple times. Um, You, so I interrupted your thing. I think you're asking me like what I have a feel for it at 15. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I'm really at the belief they should go after a wide receiver. They need a number one wide receiver. I know they failed at it in the past, but this is supposed to be another great class. And I think if you added a true, you know, a number one stud receiver in the draft, I think your wide receiver depth chart looks a lot better than it does right now. I agree. Um, I've liked the, I like Jalen Waddle. I don't know if he'll be there. Um, There's the top three. And then it seems like there's a a cutoff after that, where it's Jamar Chase by most accounts is going to be the first receiver. Uh, and then Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, who's better. Waddle is sort of a little bit more of a projection because he, he got hurt this year and this was going to be his breakout year and he was great to start the year. If you're looking for athletes, and we've talked a lot about this, just adding speed and athletes, that's what he is. I mean, Tyreek Hill type comparisons, his quickness, his speed, um, you know, punt returner, kick returner, game changer kind of receiver. If Jalen Waddle's there at 15, I would pounce in a heartbeat and feel good about it at least until he proves he's a bust later down the road well and don't you think too the way that the f- top of the first round is shaking out with all these quarterbacks going early that you could potentially see one of those two guys you mentioned being there at 15 yeah I, I i definitely think you could see one of those guys there at 15 and this is where we get into deeper discussions in some of our draft podcasts but if they're not then what did that push down that should you know what I mean so yep. there's that whole, and then the question of who's next if if those three go I would say I wouldn't go after the fourth best receiver at 15 if those three are gone I would look elsewhere now I'm looking off offensive sure. line now well, then you're, at that point you're getting probably the best offensive tackle or the best linebacker like right so but yes uh, in a, in a vacuum if Jalen Waddle's available at 15 I like Jalen Waddle anything else on your list Nope, my list is empty. We've gone long enough. We've babbled. We've heard from dogs. We've heard from you. We've heard from me. We've heard from everybody. We'll be back next week with Chris Scheim. You'll hear Chris Scheim uh, early next yes. week, breaking down the pass catchers in the draft, wide receivers, tight ends. And as you noted, another um, pretty impressive class that could really be pushed over the top if you believe Kyle Pitts is as good as some people think he is and is basically a Hall of Fame pass-catching talent, hybrid, crazy athlete dude. All right, so that's to come next week. And we'll probably have another Patriots podcast next week because there's always stuff to talk about. We got Bill. We got to do one Friday after Bill talks Thursday. That, that is true. Although, like we said, there probably won't be much to react to, but we always do. Yes, we'll find a way. Well, we always read between the lines because I'm sure there'll be a couple of one-liners that you can take one way or the other. That's how they like it down there. Yes, indeed. Love it. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.